Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Faye is a lone traveler, biding her time fishing, birding, and stargazing at a Colorado campground as she awaits the arrival of Leto, a figure from her past who is navigating his own tentative and nomadic journey across the American West. A love song is a beautiful story about two souls searching for love, searching for each other, hoping to connect. And in the hands of these supremely talented actors, Dale Dickey, who plays Faye, and Wes Study, who plays Leto. Just an outstanding film, and we're fortunate to have with us the director, as well as the writer, of a love song, Max Walker Silverman. Max, welcome to Film School Radio. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Terrific film, Max, and there's a lot of elements in the film that really bring out what I think you were going for was this very bare-bones story about two people in search of something, in search of love, in search of a purpose in life, something more. The fact that you brought in these two accomplished actors in the person of Dale Dickey, who plays Faye, and Wes Duddy, who plays Leto, gives this film this bearing, if you will. Talk a little bit about what inspired the story behind A Love Song. Um, and the film is inspired by all the ways love can can enter and, and leave our lives, I, I guess. And for me, maybe maybe that begins with falling in love myself and yet seeing so many of those I care for and have cared for me fall out of it in, in whatever ways or lose people they, they care for. Sort of those questions and contradictions that, that arise out of, out of beginning to wonder what, is, what does love look like for those without anyone to share it with or what does love look like when it remains part of our lives but is you know focused towards someone we've lost um right. what's the role in our what's the role of love in our memories what's the role of love in our hopes and what role does place play in all of that and it's i don't know maybe that's just me spending a lot of hours driving around my home in colorado and listening to sentimental folk ballads or something but um between all all that thinking and then my admiration at the very beginning for this actor, Dale Dickey, who just was so strikingly real and beautiful and powerful. And, and I was just a, such a big fan of this is uh, this is what bubbled out of it. In writing the film, writing the script for this film, did you have a connection to Dale beyond what you admire about her as a, a performer, an actor? Did you have her in mind as you were writing it? What, sort of how did this how did this connection take place? Uh, the connection was all in my head, but I wrote the movie for her i wrote the part for her imagining her picturing her through every scene and every moment and that was a very inspiring image to hold in my head i think and and west studi also entered into my thoughts very earlier so not a lot of people who could share a screen with dale even a mental one and um he's he's had such a fabulous noble human career and is a hero of mine so to have both of them together is, is kind of an unbelievable privilege. Um, but but no, you know, I was just a fan. And um, how lucky for me that they were willing to do it, willing to drive out to Colorado and, and revealed themselves to be 
such lovely, generous people who I'm honored to now call friends. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, for people who don't know, who recognize the name, but aren't familiar with her, some of her previous performances, um, some will know her from Winter's Bone. She's been in a lot of films. And I think every time I've seen her in a film, she leaves a lasting impression, no matter what the role has been. It's a scene stealer. She is. She was in Leave No Trace. Yeah, um, Leave No Trace is one of my very favorite of her roles. And, you know, Deborah Granick's the director I, I look up to a lot. And Leave No Trace, she she played this a gentle and, and nurturing role, which was uh, lovely to see. But, you know, she, she, she pops up in Breaking Bad and True Blood and been doing a lot, a lot of work for a lot of years. Well, the reason I wanted people to give people an idea of some of the roles she's been in before is she's the lead. She's in every scene. She is the film. Wes is great. Wes brings a lot to the film, but it's her film to carry, to make work. Was there any trepidation on her part to be taking on a role? She's, I don't know that she's ever been the lead in a film. Yeah, she was admirably candid with me from the very beginning about how the prospect of doing this, of, of taking a lead and taking a lead who, as you know, is like really in just about every shot and every scene was thrilling and alluring, but also scary. And Lord knows I can, I can understand that. And it was, you know, she, she was honest about how it, it was scary, not just because of the, the burden of responsibility that would be on her shoulders to carry the film to give it all life but also because for the first time in her film career she explained that she felt that she was playing a character really similar to herself and, you know I think it, it I can imagine that it's easier sometimes to step in front of a big camera and and perform and be like a crazy a gangster a drug addict a something wacky because that's that's not who she is that's it's not personal in a way um, but this character you know, Dale's from the mountains of Tennessee. She loves camping. She has loved. She has lost. She saw so much of herself in it that that added a challenge to her, um, but also ultimately added to the beauty of what she did. This is a film about love, as you said. It's a film about remembering the opportunities missed, the the dealing with the loss of love. It takes place in a basically in a campground in Colorado. Her in a trailer, waiting for uh, Leto to maybe or maybe not show up. She's not quite sure. And in the process of that, waiting for some for him to show and waiting for for her life to to move forward, you introduce some wonderful elements. First of all, the setting is a character in the film. The mountain that's in the background of the film we see. And also you introduce these other elements, which are comedic relief, cosmic, metaphysical uh, family of, of people who are, are waiting for her to move. And then we, have, we meet the couple that may or may not be getting married. There are a lot of things in it that not only they introduce other questions that I think are underlining the film about love and about loss. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. Um, you know, I... I like the idea of a campground like this that off the beaten path and all sorts of strange people can get washed up there from all sorts of walks of life. But at the end of the day to have 
stumbled upon such a place, they're all going to have to share something. And and I, I like the idea of these people who are being honest with each other about yeah. how these things they're dealing with and are ultimately able to sort of help each other learn what, what each of their next steps are. That's that's by and large been my experience of that place and uh, of of these uh, sparse spots where you wind up getting to know anyone because there's no one else around. And, and as for the humor of it, I like humor is dignity, in my opinion. And uh, most of the life that I've experienced and seen around me, uh, tears have usually had to share space with smiles and uh, people have made a lot of the funniest jokes and a lot of the hardest moments. That's like one of those rare, lovely things that makes us human. I just wanted to pay some some little tribute to that thing that I find kind of magical and noble. Yeah, the, the film distills the, their lives into these very basic elements. There, there is in about as sparse a place that you could find where where this all takes place. She's in she's engaged in stargazing. She's living the most elemental life, living really as as far as getting through every day is about as basic as you can get. I, I really like that about the film, kind of distilling, getting rid of or pushing away all of the extraneous things about life. She's barely connected to civilization. She has a, an old transistor radio that she listens to, and that becomes a very important character in the film. I love that idea. I love the idea of music. I'm a huge music fan myself. So to see that as such a vibrant part of the film, let's talk a little bit about that. Growing up knowing people who were able to exist with very little. And um, and part of the story of the character is that that's a great strength, but also a weakness in a sense. And it's a story about healing. I think healing and routine are very connected things. And this is a character who's uh, in her efforts at healing has built a very, very quiet, sparse routine. But I've certainly had moments in my life where to, to get out of bed and make a cup of coffee was hard and and brave even. And that's the place she's in. And, and I hope it's a story that, that shows that just, just as healing perhaps requires routine, it also at some point requires the breaking of it, even in modest ways. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the journey that we go along with her. But yeah, it's funny. It's like an interesting question. Is is looking at the stars a sparse thing or is it like, you know, the most sumptuous grand thing there is? Like, I don't know. It's kind of both. Um, and it's just a, maybe about the way we think about it and the way we see it and and for the character that, that grows along with her. Well, it also speaks to the very temporary nature of our lives to look into the stars. I've lived in the mountains myself. And there's nothing more spectacular than on a full moon night to look up into the sky and see forever and see shining lights. It's just a remarkable experience. And we yeah. see that in the film. So there is this connection between the eternal and the temporal in the film. This is your first feature film. I, what I like is, uh, again, another thing I really, truly appreciate about the film and filmmakers making their first film is you found ways in which to make a film that you wanted to make and you found a place a setting that you could do all of it and not and be able to afford be able to make the film that you wanted to make and that's it's really what it feels like you did 
the most powerful thing I learned at film school, at, at graduate film school at NYU, was to try to give yourself the chance to succeed. That's the sentence I've always had in my head. And I've, I've found that the ability to write small enough and thoughtfully enough and to write something that one can actually do is strangely rare and strangely powerful. And um, it, it, I, I didn't always know that I'd be able to just make small movies in my hometown and that like a broader world might be interested, but that's been kind of like the great discovery of my life. And I hope to be able to, to keep doing so um, and to keep doing so with the, the people who have honored me with working on them together, who are like basically just my friends and family. It's been a really lovely journey of learning what, what we have out there. Uh, well, congratulations on the film. The film is called A Love Song. It's being released through Bleecker Street Media. You can go to bleakerstreetmedia.com. It's right there on the front page, a love song. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for, <clears throat> thank you so much for a love song. Max Walker Silverman, thank you so much. Honor. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.